anyway, you've got your Bibles. We're going to turn to uh, 1 Peter and chapter 2. 1 Peter and uh, chapter 2. It's a well-known uh, verse there. And I'm just going to read um, verses 9 and 10. 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verses 9 and 10. Where Peter proclaims there, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I know it like this. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy people. You are a people that belongs to God, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. What incredible words they are. And if we grasp truly what they are today, I believe that they can be life-changing. They can be life-transforming to every single one of us. And this morning, we're continuing this season that we're in right now, where we truly believe that God has called us to go deeper. That we believe that the desire of God for every single one of us is that we go deeper in our relationship with him. The truth is that there is always more to know of God. There is always more to know of God. That no matter how long we may have known him, no matter how many Bible studies that we've been to in our lifetime, no matter how many times we may have read the Bible from cover to cover, no matter how long we may have been on this Christian walk with God, there is always more of God that we can know of him. And the Apostle Paul, that incredible man, that incredible brain, as it were, that man who was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees, even though he had an amazing encounter with the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, he penned those amazing words in Philippians 3 and verse 10. And he says, I want to know Christ. And I believe that the Apostle Paul lived his life in, in such a way that he continually wanted to know God more. That he continually wanted to know Jesus Christ in a greater revelation. Jesus had caught his attention on the road to Damascus. And on that day, there was something of the, the heart of Paul that was grasped in such a way that says, I want to know this person more. And the reality is that for all of us, there was a time in our lives where we knew what it was for God to get hold of our attention. We knew what it was for God to meet with us on whatever road we were on at that time. And that should cause something within us to say, I want to know this God more. I remember, uh, yes, how can I put this? But I remember when I first really saw Sam and she caught me on my road as it were. And when I caught the, when I, Sam caught my attention, there's something within me that said, I want to know her more. And surely that should be the desire within every single one of us when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, that Jesus has caught our attention. He's got our attention, as it were. 
that we've had a glimpse of his beauty, of his splendor, his majesty, of his incredible grace and his love and his mercy for our lives. And therefore there's something within us that says, I want to know you more. I want to know you in a greater way. And for the Apostle Paul, I believed he knew that the key to knowing more of Jesus, knowing more of God and him going deeper was not going to be based on his intellect, but upon his intimacy. The place that Paul truly went deeper in relationship with God was in the intimate place. And the thing is that when we grow in our intimacy with God, that we truly have a greater sense of not only who God is, but who we are. That we truly are God's beloved. That we are the bride of Christ. What an identity we have in God today. And the desire of God is that we truly live in and live out of that identity. That our, our, our identity, that our lives are based on the truth that we are loved by God, that we are God's beloved, that his banner over us is love, that we are the bride of Christ. It's not something that we are striving to be, but it's who we are. You don't have to strive in order to become God's beloved. We are God's beloved. We don't have to strive to become the bride of Christ. That's who we are. We are the bride of Christ today. That is who we are. And I truly believe it's time for some of us to reclaim our identity But the only place that we can truly reclaim it is by returning to our first love. And across the church, there's been a whole lot of identity fraud going on. There's a whole lot of identity fraud. The the enemy doesn't want us to believe and to know that we are the beloved of God. He doesn't want us to know that we are the bride of Christ. And therefore, he's been seeking to take away our identity But I believe that God is restoring our identity in these times. As we go back to a place of intimacy with him, we find our identity again in him. And it's time for us to truly know not only who God is, but who we are. And in 1 Peter 2 verses 9 and 10, I've just read to you. The apostle Peter tells the people that he's writing to that they are a chosen people. That's who they are. That's who they were. And it's who we are today. That they are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. What wonderful truths they are today that are spoken over every single one of our lives. For us who've come into relationship with God, that God speaks over our lives today and says, you are a chosen individual. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people who belong to God Almighty. I remember when I was in school how desperate I was to be chosen. As I said, over the past two weeks, I've been in, I think, about seven schools, maybe. I don't know. I lose count. Been in so many schools. And the, the children sit there. And you say, oh, I'm looking for a volunteer. And all of a sudden, their backs go up straight. Their finger goes on the lips like this. And it's like, choose 
me. And I remember in school how I'd sit there with my back up straight, finger on lip, grinning with my eyes. Choose me. And so often I get disappointed because they didn't choose me. I remember when it came to that game of football, you'd get two captains and you'd line up against the wall, as it were, and everything is within you saying, choose me. And yet so often I was the last man standing. Woo. Oh, it was worse than that. Choose me. You know, sometimes you watch those silly programs on television where the light goes out. Choose me. And so often we live in a world today where, where people are crying out, choose me, choose me, choose me. I'm so glad though with God that he has chosen us today. That even though he could have chosen anybody else, that he's chosen you and I. And at times we may be overlooked by man, but we've not been overlooked by God. I have been chosen by God And what is true of me is true of every single one of us today. And you may say, I don't know why God chose me. And the reality is we may have to agree with you and say, we don't know why God chose you as well. But the reality is that God has chosen every single one of us. What an amazing truth that is. That God has chosen us. In Ephesians 1 verse 4, the Apostle Paul writes there, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. Even before he created the heavens and the earth. Even before he threw the stars into space. Even though he caused the waters to teem with life. Before he said, let there be light and there was light. God chose every single one of us. That is mind-blowing stuff. And it's difficult to get your head around it in, in many ways. But he chose us in Christ. He decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. That's what it says in Ephesians 1 verse 4. And in those famous verses in John 15, Jesus himself proclaims, You did not choose me, but I chose you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. That we have been chosen by God is an incredible and such an amazing truth. And so often, I've come across people who, need, who, who tell me every reason possible why God shouldn't have chosen them. At times, I've said to God, God, you should have chosen somebody else because of X, Y, and Z. And yet, I believe that God speaks on to people in this place today and says to you, Stop telling God why he shouldn't have chosen you and accept the fact that God has chosen you. 
At the end of the day, God doesn't need us to tell him the reason why he shouldn't have chosen us because the reality is that he knows, knows us better than we even know ourselves. He knows us better than anybody else knows us. And the stark truth is that despite all of our faults, all of our failures, all of our blemishes, all the things that we've ever done wrong in our lifetime, we have still been chosen by God Almighty, that we have been chosen by him. And God says today, stop concentrating on your faults. Stop concentrating on your failures. Stop concentrating on your mistakes because they are covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. As far as the east is from the west, that is how far God has removed your transgressions, your sins, your wrongdoings away from me. You've been forgiven by God Almighty. You are now a child of God. He has chosen us in such a an amazing way. Peter then goes on to say that we are a royal priesthood. You know, sometimes people introduce me and refer to me in many different ways. You don't have to tell me right now how you refer to me. I don't need to know. Thank you very much. But especially when I go around schools, it's so funny when teachers introduce me. Sometimes they call me Pastor John. That's why I very often go by that name today. It came from a a local school, Pastor John. But sometimes it's Father John. It's Father Ted. No, it's not Father Ted. It's Father John. We've got the pastor. Priest. No, pastor. Pastor. And sometimes people introduce me as the priest. It's the way it is, folks. Sorry. It's the way it is. And sometimes I have to kind of politely correct them that I am not the local priest. I'm not Father Ted or Father John. But I'm a pastor. But Peter says here in this verse, he says that all of us are a royal priesthood. In the Old Testament, it was only one tribe who was given the task of serving as priests. It was only one, one tribe that was given that special privilege in order to be able to serve God as a priest. But in and through Christ, all of us are now priests who have direct access to the Father. What an amazing truth that is. Starting to do what I used to do when I was first a pastor. I didn't move around whatsoever. I just held onto the pulpit. When I got excited, I used to do this. And there was a lady called Betty. And she used to count how many times I did this if I got really excited. But rather than doing that then, I just did this. I did this. But you know, the, that looks even worse, doesn't it? But anyway, the reality is that now through The Lord Jesus Christ, the great high priest that now we have become the priesthood, the royal priesthood today. That we know what it is to have direct access to the Father. That we don't have to go through a man today. We don't need a priest in order to bring us into the presence of God. Because Jesus Christ, our great high priest, has come and has prepared the way. And right now we can go right into the throne room of God Almighty. We are the royal priesthood today. Hallelujah for that. 
We are the priesthood of God today. And the truth is that all those years ago, it was only the high priest that could go in once a year. But the great thing is today, we can go in to the throne room of God when and wherever we want to, because Jesus has made the way for us to go in today. And for the priest, they would go and the the high priest would go and uh, into the holy place. They would make sacrifices. They would bring offerings. But you know, today we do not offer sacrifices like the priests of old offered. Thank God for that. Imagine all that mess in this place today. Ray wouldn't like it, nor Tanya, or me for that matter. But the reality is we don't have to bring those sacrifices like they did all those years ago. But what do we do? We offer our lives as spiritual sacrifices, holy, acceptable, and pleasing unto God. Romans 12, verse 1. As priests, we offer not only our lives, but we offer our lips. Hebrews 13, verse 15 to 16. The writer proclaims, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruits of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God Almighty. As priests... We offer sacrifices today. We offer our lives as sacrifices to God. We offer our lips, the fruit of our lips, praise to God. What a privilege it is to be a royal priesthood. That we are a royal priesthood today. That we have access to the Father. That we can offer our sacrifices to him today. And we do that in that place of intimacy because of our identity is known in him. And the reality is, it's because we are a royal priesthood. That it should have a profound effect on who we are and the way that we live. It's no wonder then that Peter goes on to say that we are a holy nation. Be holy as I am holy. That the closer we get to God the more we become like him. The more we, 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 we embrace him, the more that we let go of the stuff that we know is not pleasing to him. That we are a people who belong to God. And if ever we've been given a new identity, we have. As it goes on in verse 10 to say, in that once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. We need to be a people who live in and live out of our identity. And as I said near the beginning, as the team come back and join me at the front here today, the reality is that the enemy has been into stealing identity. And there's people in this place today, and I truly believe within me today that the, the enemy has sought to do that. They sought to do that by cutting your thinking, by, by, by bringing all kinds of accusations against you to say to you, you can't be God's chosen because of X, Y, and Z. But God says, yes, you are my chosen people. That you are the people that I chose you today. I chose you 
in order to be mine. I chose you for a purpose. And that purpose is in order that you would be able to come right into my presence. And know incredible relationship with me. Know what it is to know that incredible intimacy with me. And I just believe today that God just wants to just come and say to people in this place today, you are my chosen. You're not the left, last man standing. But I've chosen you. And I've chosen you in order to be part of my royal priesthood. To be that man, to be that woman who can come right into the throne room of God. You know, for them great high priests, in order to go in, they had to go through so much preparation. But I'm so glad today that we come through the blood of Jesus Christ, through his death and through his resurrection. And a little while later today, we're going to take of the ambulance. We're going to come to communion. And we're going to remember the one who's made all of this possible. But we celebrate our identity today. We celebrate the fact of who we are today. That we've been chosen by him.